This is Richard Wilson speaking. Thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. So I'm a wrinkly, crinkly, but don't shed a tear. I'm not exactly a little old dear. One thing's for sure, I'm still bloody well here. One foot in the grave. Uh, one foot in the grave. Uh, one foot in the grave. Hello? Hello. Hello, Footers and Gravers. Thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast, where I'll be bringing you the Dory Mantle interview special at the One Foot in the Algarve event held at the region on the 4th of November 2022. This was a surprise appearance. Well, it was announced on the day, but many wouldn't have found out who were going to the event unless you were listening to radio. So something I was aware of, I had that sort of privilege information. But yeah, it was difficult to uh, not mention it to everyone who listens to this podcast. But Dory was fantastic. It was really special having her there. And pretty weird watching an episode of One Foot in the Grave with a cast member who was sat to my left. And I couldn't help but glance over to her every so often. She just, her face would light up more or less every other scene. She was taken in. I can't imagine how proud she must have felt watching that with uh, you know hundreds of people sat behind her laughing and just taking in the fantastic upscale quality of the remastered One Foot in the Algarve. I'll bring you straight into moments before the interview starts where presenter Pat Sissons, not to be confused with Peter Sissons, uh, not seen at the urinals at the BBC, invites Dorian on stage where she gives a, she gives a lovely little interview. Again, like the last podcast I released on the event, this was all recorded on my phone, placed on the floor, so a much better quality will be available through BBC Radio, but only for a limited period of time, so I hope you enjoy. My name is Pat Sissons from BBC Radio Solar. So lovely to see you so much. Oh, thank you. One person clap. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than I deserve. Thank you very much. It's so lovely to see uh, so many here tonight at this special evening celebrating One Foot in the Grave and raising money for BBC children in need. So thank you all for coming to the beautiful Regent Theatre Christchurch, which you might know if you live in Christchurch, is not that long refurbished, only a couple of years actually, uh, since it was restored to this glory that we see before us now. It is nearly time for our feature presentation, One Foot in the Algarve. Showing on the big screen in a newly cleaned up version, looking better than it ever did before. Better than it did 25 years ago, this Christmas, when it was first broadcast on BBC One, on Boxing Day 1993. Uh, Before we roll the film, I'm delighted to say we have a, a very special guest with us this evening who has made a special trip down from London to be with us here in Christchurch this evening. She starred in One Foot in the Grave alongside the great Richard Wilson and Annette Crosby. So please give the very warmest of welcomes to Mrs. Warboys herself, Dorian Mantle.
Are you ready? Are you ready? Let me give you that microphone, please. <laughs> Doring Mantle, ladies and gentlemen. Joy, it's so lovely to see you, and thank you for making the trip down to the South Coast to be with us this evening. I think I should say, you had an almost one-foot-in-the-grave style journey here tonight, didn't you? Yes, yes, yes. Tell us what happened. Well, our car broke down. When it broke down, it caused itself problems. Yeah, it caused itself problems. What happened? It had water, I think. It was lacking water. Something of that sort. So they had to send for another car. And we were in the middle of somewhere like nowhere. The M25, I was But I like Victor and Margaret. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that episode where we had, I drove along in a car up and down on a route outside the pool. No? I wonder. Oh, I think a few people. The one it reminded me of, Doreen, and you and I were talking about it backstage, the episode, I think it's my favourite episode, where Victor and Margaret are trapped on the bank holiday Monday in the traffic jam, and the whole episode is themselves in the car, and then suddenly, halfway through, Mrs. Warboys appears out of nowhere, gets in the back seat and says, I didn't have the cheese and onion prints, I'm afraid, Mr. Bellagrace. <laughs> it's a, a, a wonderful scene. There are so many, we could talk all night about Mrs. Warboys, it's fair to say Margaret loved her more than Victor did either. Well, Margaret always called her Jean, but Victor always called her Mrs. Warboys. He never seemed to use her first name, did he? No, and I called him Mr. Warboys. Always. There was that respect for Victor. Somewhere in Jean, she gets it wrong. <laughs> so it's never quite the right thing to say. But we always called each other in a formal way. And he just didn't understand her, and she didn't understand him. <laughs> but she tried. That was Jean. She tried. She's still dry, crying by the <laughs> I want to ask you in a moment about, about Jean's future and what may have happened to her since the show went off the air, because Mrs. Warboy's story is not over, as we will mention in a moment. But if we go back to the start, when you got the part, uh, Dory, I know you're a massive fan of David Reynolds, who we saw in that, that clip there, who wrote all the shows, single-handedly wrote off in the grave, which is a phenomenal achievement, I think. Um, when you got the script, do you think, I think this is going to be something really good, I want to be a part of it? Yes, but we didn't know it was going to be a success, and neither did the BBC, if I may say so, and they just ignored us for the first couple of... Uh, episodes, might, might be number three, they began to sit up and think, there's something different in this, and they're enjoying it, and the audience figures are rising, and that's how it happened. There we were, and the, the BBC had to put, in, put, in, put themselves in for, uh, for us as well. Well, and they, I think they did realise quite quickly they had a massive hit on their hands, because like you say, the movies were going up. Did you know Richard Wilson and Annette Crosby, who played Victor and Margaret before the show, or was that your first introduction to you? My first introduction to Richard, but I did know uh, Annette, because Annette is a wonderful stage actress as well. And uh, I knew her, not well, but still, I knew her. And I was very happy to be with them. 
So of all the straights that Jean, Mrs. I don't know whether to call her Jean or Mrs. Warboys, because they both call her a different thing. I'm going to stick with Mrs. Warboys if that's okay, Lloyd. Um, of all the straights she got into, we could talk about the traffic jam uh, we just mentioned, uh, the waxwork. By the way, your, your um, replica waxwork sits to our left on the station that Daniel has brought all the way up from Hailing Island with his friend. Where are you, Daniel? Up there. Up, up in the balcony. How long did that take? That's how long Mrs. Warford was the character. I think she's a bit taller than the original, actually, Dory. Um, of all those traits, yes, I think so. Which ones, which ones were the most memorable for you in terms of the, the filming, perhaps? I, I can't pick one because they were hard work. You may not believe it, but it's very hard work to do comedy. And we didn't want to let anybody down, especially our author. You know, he was very particular about his work. And so I, I didn't guess. I didn't know. You just, you just go and you say, well, I'm trying. I hope it works. <laughs> but the waxwork in that episode where Mrs. Warboys wins a waxwork of herself from Madame Two Swords and then hates it when it arrives. What does, what does he say? It's good for scaring rats. <laughs> it was very difficult to do. Because when they make the back waxwork, they cover you with what looks like china. It's heavy on the chest. And they close up the nose and the mouth. We've got three. So they put, uh, what the, the idea is, they put in um, straws into the nose so you can breathe. But they didn't, they forgot the straws. <laughs> so I was, I was dying there. <laughs> yes, that's it. Is that suffering for your art? <laughs> they might kill you to produce a monster. <laughs> good grief. I mean, uh, of all the um, scrapes that you got into, I think she's quite a good-hearted character, Mrs. Warboy. She, she, she means well, even if she's a bit of a oh, busy boy. she means time. well. She means well. She loves the world, really. <laughs> um, you were on the radio with me earlier on. We were lucky to have you on BBC Radio Solo um, talking about the uh, character. And I asked you, if people recognise you in the street, as they must do from not just uh, Morford the Great, but Duchess of Duke Street, if you remember, Doreen was in that. We were talking about the Yellow Pages advert <laughs> earlier on. He was a good-looking fella in that, if you remember that advert. Um, do people say, oh, it's Mrs. Warboys, and then not know what to say? Do they go, I don't believe it, even though you never said that in the show, Richard? Yes, when they do say it, Upset. <laughs> <laughs> is he really? Does he get upset with you? Well, people go upstairs to say it. It's really hard. Let's go down with everyone saying that. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but he got, to, he got it a lot, didn't he, at one point? Yes, he did. He did yes. I mean, we saw a, a little bit of film there um, just before you came on, Laureen, of the last day of filming One Book in the Grave, the episode where they killed Victor off. In that car crash, and, and he said he was quite emotional at the end. He said, "I don't think I'll ever have a part like this again." Is that how you feel about Jean? Because she's so well known and well loved. Oh yes, because I was cast against type. Really, it's very difficult. They, in in, uh, in acting and you know, on screen, they really do choose people they think look the part or have always done that sort of part. They want to be very careful. And you can't 
come and, see, and sit down for a comedy, and they say, well, I don't quite see you in a comic role. Yeah. Or I don't quite see you being funny. You've got to put up with it, because that's, that's where the, how the director sees you. Did you get off with a lot more comic roles after G? Yes. You, certainly, you certainly proved your strikes on one point in the break. <laughs> Sometimes, yes, yes, yes. We're going to watch, um, in a few minutes, our feature presentation, One Foot in the Algar, 25 years after it was filmed in Portugal. Um, you have a bit of a romantic storyline in this one. She was quite unlucky in love, I think, Mrs. Warwick. Didn't, didn't her husband run off with the private investigator she hired to find out if he was having an affair? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yes. yes, yes. But in this... I want you to talk about Peter Cook. Well, that's fine. I'm, I'm going there, Doreen. I'm going there. <laughs> I'm leading up to it. Because um, in this show, um, we're going to see, and people will remember when they watched it, your relationship with your slightly dodgy Portuguese pen pal and would-be lover. Uh, and it's a great tale if you don't remember watching it. But Peter Cook plays a somewhat dodgy journalist, a paparazzo, who has got hold of some compromising footage photos of a, a figure who's never really named. In two one foot in the grave style, it gets switched with the Meldrews, and he has to follow them round unseen for pretty much the entirety of the show. Now, I know you're a great lover of Peter, aren't you? So what was his like working with him? Oh, he was very nice, very sweet, and very, very funny. Uh, we had um, a lovely hotel, and the BBC were very kind, and they said you could have a friend down to stay if you wanted. And I invited a friend who came to stay, and I dreamt, had a dream, while she was living there. Uh, I dreamt that I worked for CNN, the American <laughs> company, uh, and uh, because and we, that was the only program we got in English at that stage. And you had that love-hate relationship with something you depend on. You've got to depend on it and you hate it. And I dreamt that I worked for CNN. And they asked me if I was going to, that they wanted me to interview a very, very wealthy um, uh, actor, famous actor. And this is where the, 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 actors, uh, the actor's nightmare Jumps in. I haven't got a script, I said. And they said, well, he's not an actor. He's, a, he's not the real thing either. <laughs> so you'll, uh, you'll just have to get along with it. So I did it, and I woke up and I told my friend about this dream. And she said, write it down, you'll remember it, because it's a lovely dream. Well, I, went, I wrote it down, and then I went down to breakfast, and there was Peter Cook having breakfast. And I told him about my dream. And he said nothing at the time. And when I came home that evening, he said, oh, he's just arrived. I said, who? He said, Ray de la, de la Burger Van Doga, or something or other. So he's in the bar and he's waiting for you. And I said, I can't go meet him. He said, well, we'll meet him tomorrow. The following day, he, uh, Peter was there. He said, he's just gone out of golf. But he's told me about himself. He's, uh, he's old Conrad money. He's very, very wealthy. And it went on like this, and I, I mean, this man, if he exists, sort of 
grew, grew and grew and grew. And finally I had to say, Peter, I'm copywriting my dream. <laughs> Not yours. It was wonderful. Was he as much of a rogue in, uh, in real life as his reputation belies, Peter Cook? I don't know what his reputation was. Very fair, very fair answer to a poor question. He was, he was kind. He was kind, he loved his wife. And I don't know, what more can you ask of a man? He was a brilliant comic actor as well, absolutely. Um, as we will see in our film. So we mentioned at the beginning, Mrs. Warboy's story does not actually end with the final episode of One Foot in the Grave. In fact, neither does Victor and Margaret in many ways, because David Renwick, who created the series, has written a book about what happens next. And you and I were talking about it backstage a moment ago, Dory. What, what, <laughs> what might Jean be doing now if we were able to look in at her, according to this new book? Oh, Jean has fallen forth a multi, uh, what do you call him, criminal, <laughs> murderer. Multi-mass murderer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's serving a death sentence in, in New York, and is about to be executed. <laughs> and nobody believes in him. Even he doesn't believe in himself. And he's waiting to be executed. <laughs> But Jean wants him to live, and she goes to all sorts of rows to do so. This is very good. <laughs> She's not got any luck here in love, has she really? <laughs> well, look, it's, it's wonderful that you can make the trip now, especially after such a traumatic breakdown somewhere on the outskirts of Heathrow Airport, I think, at the M25 on the way down. And I would say, and, and we know this from everyone who's turned out tonight, uh, there's so much warmth and love in the room for Mrs. Warboys in the form of the great Doreen Mansell lady. <laughs> Absolutely, Pat, and it's nice to meet you, by the way. Oh, yeah, thank you. I have met Alex before, it's just he owes me money, so that's why I never actually run into him in, uh, in public spaces. Um, well, while we um, just rearrange the stage a little bit, uh, we will get you ready for tonight's feature presentation, ladies and gentlemen, the classic Christmas episode from 1993, One Foot in the Algarve. Thank you very much once again for coming. Well, I've got a question for Tom. I want to ask Tom, podcast Tom, a question. Yeah. And this question, I think your thing is a great question. I'm sure I love it already. I'll go down and ask, and you get the reaction from the audience. Okay. Now, I love it when you go off script, Alex. <laughs> the one thing about One Foot in the Grave that is so different to every other sitcom is you'd be watching it and you'd be really laughing with them and suddenly it would take you down a really dark, sometimes depressing alley. Do you remember that in it? There were a lot of dark moments. So, Tom, do you know why and how it happened? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to find out if you've got a podcast. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> now, what I'm saying is it would suddenly go very dark. It would be different to other sitcoms, which are gag, 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 gag. You would suddenly find out 
that um, uh, his, his wife was never able to um, have a child and things like that. And you would get about three or four minutes of quite dark stuff in some of the episodes. I think it's blending comedy and tragedy that works really well. So I think that's what sets one but the grave apart from most other sitcoms. Very few sitcoms uh, has, the, has that kind of writer actually. Only Fools and Horses has it, it, it as well, but one from the grave is really dark and surreal. I think Two Boy Four Children has it, if you remember that sitcom, but One from the Grave is just is so unique. And I think in a, in a blink of an eye, you can go from yeah, tragedy to hilarity in a matter of moments. And yeah, any day Roma could uh, come up with those sorts of ideas, I guess, and that's what makes it, makes it work. Well, thank you very much for answering the question. I've got a question for Tom. Come on then. What's your favourite prop? From the series, Tom, of all the wacky things that Victor has arrived at his house, like the, the tree planted in the toilets in the, in the porch when he says to the delivery boy, just leave it in the toilet, or the 2,000 gnomes that turn up because he's ticked the wrong box on the uh, delivery form. Which prop comes to mind? Obviously, along with the waxwork. Uh, I'm going to say the uh, dead hedgehog in Time of <laughs> Yeah, the dead hedgehog was, was, was pretty gross. I do like that one. Well, and it's, it's uh, and then Crosby's reaction to Victor stepping in the hedgehog. Um, I've always gone about on the podcast, but I just love her um, screeching and her, and her bellowing at Victor. But I would call the podcast one putting the hedgehog in the bike. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'd probably say the hedgehog. I think that's quite good. Yeah. I'd go for the freeze dried wasp. Do you remember the ice cube with the wasp in it? <laughs> <laughs> just had a heck of a minute with the freeze dried wasp. Any others people remember that particularly stand? Say again? The dog, the dog down the side of the armchair. I mean, if you ask anyone about one point in the grave, that's the first thing they say, isn't it? When he picks the, uh, the puppy up. What do you Probably. Want? And I'll tell you the funny thing is about Victor ordering 2000, whatever it was. Yeah. We, that was before the internet and online. How many of us have done that now? You wanted five potatoes or five bags of potatoes, you get 500 won't turn up in your house. I did hear you complaining about the online world and contactless payment earlier on. Oh, I hate it! I hate it. Um, I don't think Alex actually embodies some of the qualities of Victor Meldrew and some of the things that he's complaining about. He may be the modern day equivalent along the South Coast. I mean that in an affectionate way. I'm sure, from the heart, Pat, from the heart. Anyway, thank you very much for coming. We are so thrilled to see you. One of the biggest kicks for us is to uh, meet the listeners, because you're all so lovely, and we know how much you love BBC Radio Sound. We love doing the programmes for you. And there aren't any other radio stations that do what we do. None of the commercial stations would have done a night like this tonight, and all of the other stuff we do. So we will keep broadcasting across Hampshire, Dorset, and the Isle of Wight. Uh, and you keep tuning in. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming. Enjoy the film, everybody. We'll be told to go off this way. Talk amongst yourselves. So, <laughs> awkward silence. We didn't hear that. It's Boxing Day, 1993, and it's BBC One. I don't believe it. Thanks to BBC Radio Solid, Fortnite only. Now let's present. Painstakingly remastered from the original camera negatives and presented in high definition for the first time. Let's join Victor, Margaret and Mrs. Warboys for a holiday they never forget. 
This is one foot in the Algarve. Well, there we have it. The One Foot in the Podcast trilogy special is complete, breaking down the events of the Children in Need event down in Christchurch, celebrating One Foot in the Grave and having the pleasure of listening to lovely Dorian speak to her Dorian fans. Thank you once again to those who listened in, but also thank you to any of you who introduced yourselves to me. Somewhat flattering and kind of you to take the time to say hello. If you're there on the night and this is your first time listening to One Foot in the Podcast, I hope it gives you enough of a reason to start from the very beginning of the back catalogue of episodes that have mounted up over the last two and a half years or so. So God help you. <laughs> Since this is a children in need event, it will be a bit of a missed opportunity to not ask if you could spare any loose change, even in these difficult times, in donating to children in need. Having young children of my own definitely puts things into perspective for me and wanting the best for my kids and the same goes for any children who go without so thank you if you have donated or intend to i should also say consider a listen of some of these shows provided by radio solent especially richard's alex's pat's and katie's thanks once again and bye for now Mm